Yeah, and I think drones are the next step to that. I really do. I live pretty close to an Amazon warehouse. And um, I was already surprised that we haven't been getting Amazon drone deliveries, but I know we're on, we're going to be seeing them at some point in the not too distant future, because we're just going to keep getting away from the processes that involve humans in my mind. Anything we can mechanize, we will. Yeah. I, I mean, that's certainly true. I was going to say, you know, on the side here, of course, my wife has a drone that does a lot of her deliveries for her. She wishes it did it with less lip, but uh, (laughs) she still has a drone to deliver most of her stuff. An an automaton? (laughs) Yeah. With lip. That's the problem. Oh, but I did this. And she said, yeah, but a little less lip lick next time. That's the way it goes. Chris Lockhart, welcome to another episode of Consultant Saying Things. Um, I'm joined today by uh, Phil Yanoff and Carol Hamilton, um, and we're continuing our uh, sort of ongoing discussion about um, changes uh, brought on by the global pandemic and um, ways in which our work has changed, which we've talked a little bit about. Um, today, I think, you know, there's, there's a good conversation to continue around, um, you know, ways in which maybe... Um, you know, things will be different for us forever, or things uh, may go back to normal. You know, it's it is weird. You know, like I said, it. I think it might have been uh, Chris. I was talking to about this the other day, which is just, you know, uh, the, you are engaged in a series of heuristic struggles with yourself all day long because of the interruption of your routine, right? And it's some little stuff, right? Like, uh, okay, I am not actually out of laundry detergent, but if I kind of think I'm getting close, my normal response is, oh, I'll just go out and run an errand this afternoon. I'll go take care of that. Or I'll go do this or I'll go do that. And then you say, nah, I got plenty. I'm fine. I'm not going to worry about that. And then it's that and it's peanut butter and it's the kids need this or I need this. Or, you know what? I just like going out and grabbing a cup of coffee that someone else made every once in a while, right? I mean, mine is fine, but every so but by the time you get to five o'clock of the day, you've had 20 arguments with yourself about what your natural behavior would be that is no longer serving you. Oh, it's exhausting. Yeah. Now, let me say that as of today, I'm beginning with the ideas that, you know what, when this is all over, I might have trouble adjusting to the real world again. I might have trouble going out because I might just say, what the hell? I taught myself to stay at home. It's just stay at home. And Chris and I were talking about this the other day. Is there a hump at which you have overcome the the challenges that are sudden, the new and suddenness about it? And now do you get into this rhythm with family, with friends, and and making this your new norm that you go, hmm, you know, I'm not sure I'm in any big rush to go back to that. Yeah, I mean we're in Plato's cave all the time. Right. And the question is what part of this movie do we want to be part of? Right. And that's that movie that we get so attached to. It's not the reality of this. And I mean, even me, I'm sitting around thinking, Oh my God, I'm creating a new reality. I'm not sure I like this one any better than the other one. And, you know, am I actually creating something I care about or want to have a lot of, and I don't know. 
right? I mean, I'm running lots of experiments, but some of those, I mean, some are working out exceedingly well and they could be the thing, but I'm also thinking to myself, well, hell, if you do that, you'll be out of time all over again, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's an interesting take. I mean, you know, my whole thing with this is, um, you know, I've, I've got 99 problems, right. But COVID's not one of them. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, you know, and not to make, again, not to make light of, right. uh, cause I, I know it's serious. Right. And I know yeah. lots of people are dramatically impacted, but I mean, to me, this is just like, it, it's, it's, you know, Fridays are typically at home, typically on conference calls, um, on zoom meetings or WebExes. And um, the odd time it's a snow day or something, I have kids in the house, right? And then my afternoon is I got to go pick all the kids up after I right. drop them all off in the morning. Right. That's, but now what I'm finding is that every day is Friday. And oh, I don't have to leave the house to go you know, drive them to school or pick them up, but I have to educate them and I have to feed them and I have to watch out for them. And like yesterday, I just got to the point, I was so busy trying to get stuff done for work. I had calls coming up and I could just hear them upstairs screaming and killing each other. And I just closed the doors to my office. It was just like, they're going to kill each other. You know, I guess that's what's going to happen. Uh, Cause I just did not have time um, or maybe even the mental capacity to go deal with that. Right. So. Right. You know, uh, there's a guy, uh, one of the, one of the two economists that does Freakonomics, Dubner. Levitt. Levitt said he had to have four kids because that, you know, there's no chance to do man to man with four kids. It's all zone at that point. (laughs) He said, he he really honest to God, he's, I heard him say on the show one time, he said, you just can't care about any one of them too much when there's four. That's awesome. I got replacements. They're backup kids. Um, So Carol, I kind of wanted to go to you real quick. Um, I know you had you were starting a thread and I interrupted you um, to do this fantastic intro. <laughs> well, we had this conversation last night as a, as a family. We're a very small function. So anybody who has a lot of kids, this, I don't know how this applies, but we were looking at our life going, what if, what if this is it? What if this is what we're going to be in? And I think prior to this, we were looking in increments. Okay, well, it's going to be for two weeks. Okay, well, it's going to be for two more weeks. Well, okay, now it's going to be for... And I think we we were living a bit for the finish line. And now we're thinking, well, what if there isn't one? Or at least none that's foreseeable or predictable. And so then what does daily life look like as a job, as a family, as a functioning person in the community? And I think that those are the kinds of questions we need to start asking ourselves so that we can figure out some sort of mildly stable norm that allows us to not get thrown by every headline that comes along, as well as finds it's some sort of a rhythm, especially now that we're seeing the kids are staying home for the rest of the year in a lot of places. As you were mentioning just a minute ago, that is a profound change. And how are we, how are we going to deal with that on a daily basis? You know, but to that point, Phil, you know, this isn't, this isn't something that we look at that I'm looking at and saying like, oh my gosh, this is a catastrophe. These kids are home now forever uh, doing school. Um, you know, I think there's, this is maybe one of those things that it's like, okay, maybe, maybe this is something that we can work through because this whole thing isn't a complete disaster, is it? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be the guy that says it is a disaster, but there are moments where you, I mean, you know, the world just kind of gets a hold of your head in some way and you wonder if it might be, right? I mean, it's just frustrating. It's like, like even now we're sitting here watching, if you can see me, right? My cat just passed through the <laughs> back of the frame, right? 
if I'm not getting enough sleep, which is kind of easy to not be getting enough sleep, not because I'm other places to go, but because I'm anxious about the environment in which I find myself, then I might just wake up and be kind of cranky for part of the day, right? But I, it is one thing for me to go, oh my God, I'm screwed and this is terrible, which I would like to think sometimes, right? But it, normally, I, I, hopefully, I am struggling with it just enough that I can go, okay, I didn't sleep good last night. That's going to happen at this time in my life. And I just have to say, that's where I am. And I will do the best I can with what I've got to work with today, right? And is there anything else I can do to kind of pull myself together? That's good. I will do that. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, I just kind of have to live where I am at the moment. I am really concerned. I don't know about new normal. I'm not sure about that language even, right? But I do know I have to live in the right now. And this is what my life looks like right now. And what can I do? What opportunities am I presented with at this very moment? And I think there are some great ones. So let me, I know you don't want to predict the future and I appreciate that. Is there anything that's working for you right now that might be working for other people out there that you think is something you could carry forward? Oh yeah. I mean, for us, for, for me, right. It's the fact that this has reduced the barriers to people to, for video conferencing, right? I mean, they were not confident with it. I mean, I, I'm seeing a lot of that still. People are not particularly confident with it. I mean, they're not you, me, or Carol, where we're doing this tons of times a day to day. Every call I go on, if it's got more than a few people on it, there's somebody who's like, I don't know where the buttons are. I don't know how to do this. But they're willing to give it a go. And I watched that resistance at the beginning. Then that resistance kind of faded away as people realized, oh, heck, if I'm not willing to do a video conference, I guess I'll never see another living human being's face for the duration of this thing, right? Uh, uh, catastrophizing, by the way. But the, the whole idea, I mean, so they, they get, but they get over that thing at the moment and then they do it and they go, you know what? This is really good. I mean, you and I were on a call last night with a bunch of people and tell me I'm wrong, but they were super appreciative of having FaceTime with other folks inside a tribe they believed they were part of. They, they were, they were. And in fact, I was genuinely surprised because some of those folks, it was their second time attending um, this event, right? And it was the yeah. first time done virtually. And so right. not, only, not only did they want to come back for the event, right? But they were willing to give the, it's not the event I attended the first time right. shot, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. Carol, how, how about you? What's, what's working for you right now that you might want to... I'm busy helping clients get there. I'm taking leaders into these ideas. And part of it is the tech because there is so much tech fear. Of, I'm going to look stupid. What if I don't do this right? What if I don't know where the buttons are? And once we get them through that whole, go ahead and experiment. We can do this in you know low stakes scenarios. It's okay. Then what we're moving into is what does leadership look like? And leadership and this term has become so much more visual because we're focused. We're listening. We're focused. And so it's, it's about understanding how to put into a, a message or a pitch or whatever it is you're doing into a very high visual place, which means less is more. Clarity is really important. Here's this. I mean, I, I have not yet spent a lot of time thinking about this the way you do, because I'm talking to everybody. I'm not spending my time thinking about leaders. But I'm going to tell you one problem right off right here on, this, on a Zoom call is we're all the same height. Those yeah. guys who are tall and good looking, they're not tall anymore. That's right. the great equalizer. Is that it? <laughs> right. 
right. You know, <laughs> on Zoom, you're all two inches tall. So, yeah. but I mean, but it, the things that they use to establish presence, those right. tools are gone. But to your exact point, the thing that super resonated with me that you just said is they still have the job of leading people and they got to figure out how to communicate effectively to these people. They have to keep that trust going, even though the tools they've used their whole life, tall, good looking, smell good, well-dressed, right. the most of that is gone. Well, and the whole idea of getting presence visually is a very different experience. And so You're building right. that trust is huge. Right. We were talking, Chris, a few minutes ago about just the whole process of check-ins. I've got a, a CEO who's a, a massive senior. I mean, this is a huge company. And she has made it a point to call all of her down to the senior manager level. And she is checking in nonstop, not micromanaging, but checking in to say, where are you? How are you doing? And to your point, Phil, just talking about the emotions of this, but she's not saying, you know, oh, how you feel. She's just saying, I'm checking in. What's going on? Where are we in projects? But where are we as humans? Where are you as a leader? And I tell you, I can't imagine getting to the end of this. And as Patrick Lencioni said yesterday, I can't imagine ever hearing somebody say, you know, during that whole thing, my leader just kept checking in too much. I just yeah. can't imagine somebody feeling that way. So this is a massive opportunity to get over the tech fear and march into this. And that I think will go forward. So is, is that something um, that maybe could only come about because of the situation we have now, like that type of innovation in, in the way that the leader is, is operating? I think that it's more driven than it was to, to go to Phil's idea. I mean, we had so many leaders who were dancing on the very outside of conference calls in fact, they weren't using video calls at all. They were only using conference calls and, and frankly, making most people miserable with them. Because the thing about a conference call when you don't have the visuals, there's such a sense of being told. And I think that, they, that this is that equalizer in that it's about engagement. And now my job is to make sure this whole grid is talking, not just me. Because I can see when they're glazing over. I can see if it's not hitting home and I'm gonna see it in the outcome. So getting, encouraging our clients to get on to this kind of conversation, having Zoom calls instead of phone calls, making sure that we're seeing each other and making that human connection, I think that's going forward forever because at least a lot of the groups I work with are global and they should have been doing this all along. In fact, I have a client we're working with, we just build a whole thing to take their leaders through this and their tech team said, you know, we've had this for years. This is the first time anybody's ever said, hey, why don't we take the entire C-suite through it? So, yeah, things are changing. I mean, there's definitely, you know, client locations that I go to where, you know, they have the expensive video conferencing equipment and you go in and you have a meeting and maybe someone's on the phone and no one ever turns that stuff on. Right. It's just yeah. there. Um, and maybe because it was, it seemed like the barrier to entry was too high and maybe, you know, companies like Zoom have, have changed that for a lot of people. Um, I think that that's kind of fascinating. But do you think, do either, I mean, this is for either of you, uh, do you think this makes... Do you think this makes leadership more difficult or is there, um, are there, are there some tips maybe for leaders that, that we would want to impart? I don't know, Phil, what do you think? Carol pointed to this before, right? Is that there has been a resistance to both using the technology and it was because we didn't understand it, right? I mean, the leaders, like they never, they had no familiarity with it. They didn't want to be in that unfamiliar territory and they've, 
probably felt like the fidelity of the connection was not as good as it really is, right? I mean, here's the deal. I not only can see and deliver a message, but I can watch your face and still get some idea of whether you understand me or not while I'm talking. Do you care? Do you agree? Do I have your attention? Guess what? I can have 20 people that I'm talking to at the same time and see that on the screen, right? I can know if I'm losing somebody or not. We are now in a world where we are in a whole new level of focus because we're not just sitting with the speakerphone playing and checking our emails and doing other things, which has a bit of a lax sense to it. This is such a high focus medium. We're looking at each other, we're making a message. I think it's exhausting especially if you're new to it. So I'm suggesting that agendas get shorter and meetings get tighter. By the way, I just think that's fantastic in general, right? But, um, you know, is, is so, so it, on that thread, are, are, there, are there things that, um, because, because of the things that we're learning and, and uh, working in this new way, and I'm using the collective we, right? Are there, are there processes, are there things, are there activities or behaviors that need to stop um, or maybe now's the time where we can say, you know what, we don't have to do that anymore. Um, let's, let's not do those things just in general. Yeah. Cutting the time, the length of time for a meeting in half is a good start, right? Most stuff that we spend an hour on could be done in 20 minutes. If, and the thing is to Carol's point, and I feel this way exactly because I'm doing a bunch of these calls and I, at the end of the day, I'm exhausted from this part because I have to pay attention to a lot more people. I see more faces now looking at me as I'm working through the course of the day and it's exhausting saying, okay, because I am intensely involved with you while we were having a conversation now in a way that I might not have been before. Like Carol said, I mean, quite frankly, the neat thing about old school conference calls without video was half of my brain could be napping while I was doing the call, right? I mean, I could be playing with my phone and nobody knew I wasn't paying attention, right? Uh, so those things are gone. Now I'm paying attention, but I'm saying this gives us the opportunity to discuss, make decisions in shorter intervals. We should be doing that right away. Yeah. The other thing that's new and we've never had to be concerned about it is our resting face. You've probably seen this all over the net where they're, they're coming up with all these great pictures, but leaders who don't, who aren't realizing that the second somebody comes into the room, whether it's a Zoom or WebEx, whatever it is, sees you. And so everything happening in your face is happening for the audience without necessarily being interpreted. So there's a whole movement for what does your resting face look like? Because we're now seeing it in a way we've never seen it. In addition to all the other obvious things like who's walking in the room and, you know, or does your kid fresh out of the bathtub or whatever it is that's happening. But just right. as a leadership piece. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it is that way. And, you know, the thing is, I always felt like when I was doing radio, radio was easier because, I, I mean, I would listen to the callers on my headphones. You'd have this conversation, but I could have a sidebar conversation with my co-host while we were doing it. But on television, you are complete. You're, my body is at attention all the time because I'm worried about how I am being perceived by the audience. That's not the same as worrying about how I look. The question is, Am I being credible and engaging the audience? And if I'm not, I mean, but here when I'm on this call, I feel the same way as when I'm doing TV. You, you cannot relax because it's been caught on camera. I mean, you, have, you are on for the whole call. Yes, right. And I think it's always, it's always a question of, um, 
you know, do I, do I activate the video for this call or not? Or, or do I blame bandwidth for turning it off um, or something, right? Just because I think, I think there are times that maybe you don't want the video on, even though everyone else has it on. Yeah, I've got a cough button or, you know, button on my microphone that allows me to break my microphone real quick. I mean, just to get out. I mean, again, when you're doing radio, there used to be this giant button on the table and it would say cough button and you just press it and it was a momentary on, or in this case, momentary off that blanked your mic. So they didn't have to mess with it back on the other end. But what I want for now, I have that for the microphone, but I cannot easily just go up and say, oh my God, I'm going to sneeze. Let me just can- cancel my video so you don't watch my body go through the contortions that it goes through as I rack myself with a couple of sneezes. That sounds like a product opportunity. Someone come up with the, uh, you know, I am, the cough button for video. I don't know why Zoom doesn't have that. I mean, those guys, these guys have done so many ease of use things, but a momentary off for the video would be very helpful. Well, I have to tell you, I think this whole video might, you know, my dog ate my camera so you can't have your video on. I think that's dead. And I think that's gone. I think this is now the piece of leadership. If you're too wussy to get on camera, then I think that's going to have a huge impact over your trust abilities and your influential, your ability to influence. I was going to mention, um, you know, when you're talking about, you know, having the video on, I mean, I think that's extremely important for uh, consultants and practitioners. If you're, if you're trying to establish trust or rapport with somebody that maybe you haven't met before, um, you know, you have to have that video on whether you want to or not. And honestly, you know, I, I <laughs> there's been a lot of memes about, you know, people not wearing pants and things like that in, in video calls, but, you know, I think you gotta, you know, you can't go in a, a t-shirt in a lot of these things, right? You gotta, you gotta look snappy like Phil looks right now, right? Yeah. Absolutely. This is, I call this look the Lockhart look, black t-shirt with a blazer on. I mean, this is, you know, this is derigorous nice. and baby Yoda. <laughs> yes. The whole package as we prefer yeah. to call you. Yeah, yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Fill the full package. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's it. I'm changing my Zoom name right now. <laughs> yeah, it is trust. Absolutely, Chris. There's no doubt. I want to be able to see you. I want to know who you are. I want to know what it looks like to talk to you. And this is the gift of this. Yeah, because I mean, we we all know, or we've been in situations. You know, car salesmen come to mind, or software sales people. Sorry, software salespeople. But you know, they come to mind as, you know, this feels inauthentic. Whatever it is that you're saying to me, right? And for whatever the reason is, right? And so I think the video piece of this, just like an in-person conversation, right? is so critical to establishing that trust and believability, right? And authenticity, right? If I'm, if I'm trying to sell you on an engagement um, and I don't have my video on, right? Um, when, when I definitely could, or especially when everyone else has theirs on, um, right? There's, there's a authenticity and a believability factor at play that um, is going to work against me. What are the things we need to be doing in this moment to kind of adjust where we are, right? And again, I, you know, I know I've said it this way before, and I should probably come up with a better metaphor, but the universe has whacked us upside the head with a two by four. We just, somebody hit the reset button on our lives and our use of time. What do we do in that moment with this change? And I think it matters, right? I mean, I think it would be super easy to not be paying attention and to reload your life with the same crap it had before. When, mm-hmm. when again, somebody just came and cleared the board for you, right? If you are that Zen sand garden, someone came in and swept it clean. Now what? What do you go from, where do you go from here? 
But what are some of those things? Because I mean, like, you know, again, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to make light of, of uh, the severity of the situation. I, I haven't noticed a dramatic change in sort of my, my day to day. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on the, maybe the need to shed some, some of those things that we don't need to do anymore. Uh, in my personal life, I'm struggling to maybe identify what those would be. Do you have any? Well, so, I mean, for in your case, right. So you still have the same sort of client uh, needs and so forth that you had before, but you know, the fact is you might be able to, you know, God forbid, get away with a little less travel, right? It might be that some of those things that somebody needed to see your butt in a seat in another city, you might be able to get away with actually doing from your house if that made sense for you, right? Um, You know, in my case, my business got reset. Now, I am trying to be very cognizant of how I, what I rebuild as I'm doing this. I mean, I'll go back and do the events I was doing before, but they may look differently because I'm able in this moment to do this reset and and sort of reimagine how I deliver the same things to the people that I'm trying to help. All right. So last thoughts, then final thoughts on, um, on this topic of, you know, maybe, maybe it's time to take this as an opportunity to uh, upskill or innovate what we do um, or to, as Phil said earlier, to clean house, Maybe there are some uh, things, behaviors that we don't need to do anymore. Um, and also maybe some processes, Carol, you mentioned earlier, right? Like there are some things that we just don't need to do or we shouldn't be doing. Final thoughts on this? Phil, you go first. <laughs> That's a, that was a big wind up for Carol. I saw the pitch and then whack, Phil, it's all you. I like I to thought, keep it interesting. Yeah. I thought, I'm just going to sit here and see what Carol leaves me. He lifts out a bunch of things. You know, how's that work? Uh, you know, here's the thing, uh, you know, when Carol and I first met many years ago, her first, one of the thoughts that she put in my head that stuck with me for a long time is, you know, when you're looking at, for example, your work environment, you ask yourself, does this have meaning to me? And if it does, then you keep it. And if it doesn't, you get rid of it because it's just a distraction. And I think that's the same kind of thing that I want to do right now with the stuff that I'm doing for other people. It's like, all right, what of this stuff had really truly has meaning and it needs to get done and I want to continue that behavior, but which of these behaviors have I got or what are the activities have I found myself wound up in that simply have no meaning for me or by customer, they don't need to be done. Let's start scratching stuff off and giving myself a little bit of that brain time back so I can do something else with it. That's where I think I am. I feel like I'm I'm part coach as I'm coming in and I'm saying, okay, we've got a little bit of quieter time. This is high production time if we if we really put our our, our noses into this. And now let's start looking at processes because there are times when I have had, especially the larger the client, the more processes and layers there are. And I think it's a great time to be a coach to say, wouldn't it be great if we could somehow get these approval processes more streamlined? Because you have less time to be managing these kinds of things and we need stronger teams coming out of this. The teams that take this time, the companies that take this time to really strengthen the foundation are the ones who are gonna come out of this smelling sweet. And the ones who were a little bit rocky going in and just bury their heads and, and try to just hold everything static, I think are going to lose the battle. 
So it's about taking the time you have, whether you're working with innovation and, and focusing on that, and maybe freeing up time for innovation by managing some of these and getting rid of some of these antiquated processes. Things that you just didn't bother looking at, and now you have time, so this would be the moment. Yeah, I, you know, I looked, I think last time I talked about, um, you know, businesses or our clients and using this as an opportunity with them to, uh, propose, to, to be innovative in how we deliver our services. I think, you know, if I'm thinking about, you know, uh, processes or um, behaviors or, or uh, baggage or things, you know, I, I think this is an opportunity, as you guys said, to sort of reassess some things. I think this is an opportunity for practitioners to really up their game, right? This, this coasting along, um, you know, getting on the conference call, putting it on mute, not saying anything, and meanwhile doing five other things. I think those days are, I think they're done. I think they're, I think it's like going to go the way of the fax machine. Right. The audio only conference call, I think, is like the new fax machine because I, I just don't see us coming back from it. Right. Especially as companies invest in infrastructure uh, to to enable to to carry all the load that we're currently experiencing. Right. Okay. It's going to be there. Everyone's going to have these devices. Everyone's going to have uh, working knowledge of them. And there's not going to be a reason really uh, to not use them. So I think I think this is you know personal innovation, really personal development in terms of not being, you know, shy when it comes to, to this going forward, because I don't think you'll be able to. So um, thanks, guys. Uh, interesting chat. Um, I appreciate it. Phil Yanoff, Carol Hamilton. Thank you. I'm Chris Lockhart. Please go to the YouTube channel. You can Google actually consultants saying things and all the good stuff will come up, right? The, the website, the tweet, the Twitters, the tweeters, the Twitters, the Twitter handles, um, the Instagrams, all that stuff will come up. Right. And uh, it's all good stuff. And, and, and please go to the YouTube channel um, and, and subscribe. So I appreciate it, guys. Uh, thanks. We will talk again soon.